Hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we help you get better at doing hard things. Today, I am having a chat with Erez Sheck. Erez is the host of The Sheck Check, which is about normalizing the conversations about how we think, feel, and behave. Erez has real and raw conversations with guests from around the world about their their lived experiences and their expertise, inspiring people to check themselves before they wreck themselves. He believes that we need more bridges in the world and believes that conversations create these bridges. So his mission is to build bridges, bring things into awareness and demonstrate what real open conversations about mental health and wellness should be like. With that being said, this is a pretty raw conversation in itself. Erez and I talk through a whole lot of different stuff in regards to awareness or bullying, anxiety, depression, a whole raft of other features. And at times it's a heavy conversation, at times it's a light, fun conversation as well. As always with with these conversations that are a little bit heavier, if you need some help, then reach out, have a conversation with Erez or myself, reach out, have a conversation with those people around you that you trust. It's really, really important, that communication. But thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Erez and I today. Erez Sheik, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I always like to, to kick things off just with a bit of background about people. So where were you born? Where did you grow up? So I was born uh, in California in the United States. I was born in like close to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and then uh, grew up here until like I was 14. And then we moved to Philadelphia, kind of went to high school and college out there. So kind of between, I always get confused on like, where did I say I grew up? Because I felt, I feel like I grew up like across the country, basically. Different like formative years, you know? Yeah. And kind of growing up in, in different places and I mean, the Bay Area and Philadelphia, geographically, they're quite, they're reasonably <laughs> far away. Like, what did you notice from those different, those different geographic areas and how did they shape you as a person? You know, it's weird because like the area that I lived in, like, you know, in California when I was like when I was a little kid, it was very, I feel like it was, it had the idea that we would be very, you know, diverse and cultural, but it was not very, you know, I grew up and I still am Jewish and we had to like drive maybe like 45 minutes away to get to like a synagogue. And it was very like a small, like just a very small Jew, like Jewish community and then when we moved to Philly, like half the people in my high school were Jewish. And then there were like African-Americans and Asians and, 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 you know, Latinos and all those things. So it was like this huge cultural difference and like just with ethnicity and religions and everything, it was just very different, which is weird. Cause when you think of California, you don't necessarily think of, you know, it being very not culturally diverse, but it was just like the areas that we kind of lived in at the time. Mm, interesting. Interesting. What formative experiences do you remember from when you were younger that have kind of set you off on, on the pathway that you're on today? Um, you know, I think growing up, I mean, number one, there was a lot of, when I was a kid, I was bullied a lot. And so I think that played into a lot of the ways I look at myself even now, but also there was, I mean, there was that kind of thing that kind of put you outside of, kind of outside of where everyone else is, it feels like. Because when you're bullied, you feel like you're outside of things. You're the outsider. So I took up, I think around like sixth or seventh grade, I took up doing theater. And I really loved that because it was like an escape from myself and escape from my world. And that really kind of shifted things for me a lot because I got to see myself in a different light, literally like on a stage, <laughs> like a different light above me. But it was kind of that I got to prove something to myself through that. So theater really formed a lot of the ways that I kind of like got through life and got be able, was able to find like different perspectives on things. But I don't know if I would have kind of gotten there if it wasn't or gone in that direction if it wasn't because I was you know, being bullied and looking for some kind of 
I guess, uh, affirmation from outside of me. And on stage, I was able to get that. And why did you, why did you choose to get into theater? Like what was it about theater as opposed to something else that, that drew you to it? I liked being on the stage. I liked the attention. <laughs> um, but it really was that I was really super fascinated with the fact that I could, you know, look at, a, a, and I did this like even earlier on with just reading books, I would read the book out loud as if I was that, you know, a, a narrator or the characters reading from like the characters acting it out from the book. And so on the stage, I was able to kind of like, even at like sixth or seventh grade, I was able to delve into these, like these other people and start understanding their emotions and, you know, where they came from and, and all these different things of, I guess their psychology. I just didn't realize at the time that I was like analyzing their psychology, I guess, analyzing who they were and where they came from and all that, and all that stuff. But it was really like an escape for me. And, you know, you get applause at the same time. So you get this kind of like escape and you're looking for, you know, positive affirmation for something you do. And you kind of, I kind of got both. And that's kind of what drew me to it, I guess. Mm. This, this just kind of popped in my head. And like when you were talking about that there, it seems like just you had massive amounts of empathy in regards to, to this character that you were, you, that you were playing. I mean, I'm assuming that even when you started theatre, you were still experiencing some bullying. Did that shift your perspective in regards to the bullying that you were, you were having kind of post-theatre versus pre-theatre? You know, it's weird because like now as an adult, I'm able to look back and see that, like the empathy for, like, for the bullies actually, because they come from a place of pain as well of some sort. And, but I wasn't able to see that like in the theater, like when I found theater, there were still a lot of emotions about it and hurt around it. And also like, I think, you know, when, especially when we're younger, when we're getting kind of beat down with words or with action, like people's actions and the way they treat us, it early on plays into our views of ourselves. And so we kind of hold on to those things. And so I think I continued to hold on to that for, for a lot of years afterwards. So I always felt kind of less than other people. But when I was on stage, I didn't. When I was that character, I didn't. But it's only like now maybe within the last like 10 years that I was able to flip the perspective. And, you know, I think actually I was living in Chicago for a while and I was doing a show and I had to be this very aggressive character. And I remember like trying, you know, even like as an actor, you can't judge a character as wrong or bad or evil or all these kind of things that we might judge others to be because you have to find that empathy for the character. You have to, you know, not judge the person you're playing so you can authentically play them. And I remember sitting there being like, wow, this is harsh because like, he's such a bad guy. Like he's doing all these things to people. And I was like, wait, I can't look at him like that because he's living, he's lived his life and he has his understanding of things. And that's where he's coming from with it. And so the things that kind of happen to us shape who we are at the moment. And so, and all those people that bullied me, they were reacting to something in their life and they were, or playing out something that they had seen that they thought was okay to do. And so it's all kind of this circle. So we have to, we have to be able to see that as well, I think. But I wasn't able to see that till like, you know, last 10 years. Mm. And I mean, hindsight's, hindsight's a wonderful thing that like all of a sudden <laughs> something will just click into place and you're, and you think about your past and you're like, man, that's what that meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see it now. <laughs> And it's like, why did I have to hold that anger for so long? Because it was, <laughs> it was right there. But mm. again, like, that's how we learn, you know, like sometimes we can't like force lessons, I guess, onto us necessarily. But once you, once you see it though, you're kind of like, oh yeah, we're all coming from our own places of understanding. So we have to process what we ha we can only process what we're ready to process and able to process at the time, I guess. Definitely. Um, I've got a couple of, a couple of threads that I want to pursue from that, but how did you view yourself as a person at, at the time that that was going on? And I'll make a note of the other one. You know, I think number one, I felt alone was probably the thing I felt the most. And it's weird. Cause like people will be like, Oh, but we were friends back then. And I was like, it's a different kind of alone than like, you know, Oh, you're sitting by yourself at a table or something like you feel, you know, 
it's just this lonely feeling inside of you. You know, I, I'm also like, back then I was, you know, a little kid and, a, and also like into like junior high and high school, I was in the closet. Like I, I'm, I'm an out and like out proud gay man now, but you know, I didn't realize or wasn't able to tell myself or admit to myself that I was gay back then, especially when I was a little kid. And that was one of the things that I was often, I, I was often made fun of because I wasn't as masculine or I wasn't playing sports and all this stuff. And so, so for me, there was always this kind of, I think that kind of kept me in the closet probably longer than I, than I could have been, I guess, but we all have our own journeys, I guess. But basically like makes you not be proud of who you are or accepting of who you are, you know? And I felt like a loser. I felt again, like an outsider. And it was just very hard to become comfortable with myself. I mean, I was also like, like a lot heavier when I was a little kid. And so later on, I kind of got into a lot of body image issues because of it, because I felt like, oh, you know, I'm supposed to be thinner. I'm supposed to be muscular of some sort of, of some kind. And so that kind of played into it later on. But it was, I mean, overall, I would say the feeling was lonely. And there's a lot of <laughs> feelings that come from that as well, because you feel like a victim of things outside of you and just, yeah, alone. Mm. It's not an unusual feeling that people have is that, I mean, the, the world that we live in is more connected than ever, but people feel alone more than more than ever as well. Where did that, that feeling of loneliness of being alone, where did that lead you to? I think some people, when they're, when those feelings, they actually try to, you know, go into a shell and get further into that shell. For me, I was constantly trying to, I not necessarily reach out, but attach to people. So I would attach to people needing their approval, needing their, their attention and trying to get, you know, get those likes, right? Because that, that's not what it was like back in the nineties, <laughs> but it was like this, this constant need for approval and wanting to be wanted, I guess. And so um, it was kind of this conflict because uh, it's so funny because people will be like, Oh, I just like go in my room and hide. For me, it was like this, this kind of depression and anxiety formed, but it came out in this form of neediness and constantly trying to attach myself to people and get their, get their approval, get their, get their affection, get their love or whatever, you know? Mm. Like if you, if you follow this, that path as well, that you can end up doing a whole lot of things that aren't true to, to who you are as a person, who you want to be as a person, because you're kind of continually seeking that that validation from from other people, and I understand what you mean. It, it it's kind of similar to getting likes and the little hearts or the retweets <laughs> now. But yeah. no, no, no. It's just a, it's just a different it's a different context that often people still look for approval and they're still kind of seeking approval. And some of my social media posts, I'm like, oh, that one only got one like. That's awesome. I wonder why people didn't engage with that one quite as quite as much as as something else. See, you go, you go at it with more of like an inquisitive view of like, what mm. was it about it versus like, why didn't people like it? Yeah. I mean, 10 so years, that, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have though. 10 years yeah. ago, I would have been, I would have been like, oh, people don't like it. What does that say about me as a person? Exactly. Um, and that's like a mindset to get out of as well. Like I, cause I notice my head going in that place sometimes because that's what my head is used to. Like from years and years ago, that stuff stays with you. Like the kind of mentality that we take on, it takes training to kind of move it out of there and comfort with yourself as well. But now it like, it is that switch where it's like, okay, so what is it actually about this that people aren't responsive to or receptive to? I'm, I'm okay with that. Or, you know, does that really say anything about me or just what other people's reception, like how other people are receiving it? Mm. I mean, we're, we're both in the space and we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this later in terms of trying to, to get messages out there to people. So there's, I think, a difference between posting, posting something of you having a burger down at, uh, at your favorite burger restaurant and hoping for likes on that versus putting out, uh, trying to put out a message and understanding why people respond the way they that they did to it um, so that you can go back and maybe try and reframe the message that you're putting across in a way that 
it reaches more people or more people sort of resonate with. Yeah, it really is. It becomes really quite interesting. Like when you're looking at like, you know, it's like, oh, this, this post maybe was a little darker than the other one that, that people were more receptive to. And then you start like under, like you're starting to see what, like on social media, how deep are people willing to go with themselves or with their messages? Or do they just want like, you know, the light stuff or the super dark stuff and anything in between is kind of like muddy. And you're like, oh, is that not just strong enough or, or any of those things? So it's like, it really, but it is about refining it or what, if you want to refine it or if you just want your message to be what it is, if you're mm. happy with it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I mean, we've, we've gone going on a bit of a tangent here, but that's all right. I think in terms of, in terms of messaging though, as well, and kind of whatever message that you're looking to get across is that your message should evolve and should change over time as you're privy to, to more knowledge, to more experience as well. And that if it doesn't change or the way that you're delivering it doesn't, doesn't change. And it, like it doesn't have to be a massive change. It might be something really subtle, but if it's not changing, then you've, you've stopped learning. That you stop learning, you're stuck. And you're like, I think there's so many things that can actually play into that because maybe you've gotten used to one particular message or maybe one message was really strong and you decided to get stuck there. Right. Um, and it's not necessarily, necessarily stuck, but I'm like, if you're looking at yourself, we're, we're constant, we're by nature, we're constantly growing. We're constantly you know, moving in a direction because time is moving forward. And so, so are we with it. And so we have to move forward with our messages because again, they're coming from us. And like you said, if they're not evolving, then like we stopped growing or we're not paying attention to the fact that we are growing. And so we've become like attached to like a past version, but yeah, like you see it, you know, you see it on social media, people not kind of evolving with, their messages or their brand or, or any of those things. And I think for me, like personal growth is a way of life. It's not like a, you know, something I'm just addicted to or attached to. It's what we're constantly doing, you know? And so I, I hope that reflects in what I put out there on social media and with my stuff. Mm. And from, from an outsider perspective looking in, I think it, I think it definitely does, but let's look, let's look back a little bit to <laughs> kind of bridge that gap from, from where you were to where you are now. So the feeling of being alone led you to a place of neediness, a place of depression and anxiety. When did you get to the point where you changed the trajectory? So it's weird because when I was in college, I wasn't doing well in college and um, my parents decided to take me to like a psychologist to get tested for like, uh, for learning disability to see if something was going on. And that's when I was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And it was around when I was uh, right before my 21st birthday. And I kind of, at that point, from that point on, I was, you know, it was the whole road with medication and therapy and I really still completely dedicated my life to doing theater. And uh, I kind of continued that, doing that in Chicago. Um, but I also feel like I got stuck in that view of myself as somebody with bipolar disorder. Except it wasn't like, for, I mean, for years, I would just say I am bipolar. And it wasn't until like close to three years ago that I just, I stopped saying I'm bipolar. I said I live with it because it's not all of me. And I realized that kind of identification with it was actually keeping me stuck in the same place, kind of repeating the same storylines and plot lines with everybody else, because I also wasn't facing all of those things that happened as a kid and in high school, the bullying and the beliefs of myself, because I was so stuck on the bipolar part. And so it was actually close to three years ago when I decided to start looking at the ways I viewed myself, that I decided to start challenging those things and just decided to start looking at those things and how they affected me and how they kind of shaped who I was and who I'm becoming. So it really was like, it's crazy because it's like, I was diagnosed with bipolar like close to 18 years ago. And it was only three years ago that I kind of shed away from that identity that I kind of connected with myself so strongly and decided to live 
a life that's more growth oriented and not so, you know, stamped on me. What was the spark for, for that decision? Was there something that, that changed or was it just uh, something that built over time? So, so basically it was like September, 2016. Uh, and I actually, I tried to take my life and I was in a coma for two days. And then I woke up obviously, cause I'm here <laughs> and, and then I went to the hospital and I came out and, you know, everyone kind of wanted to make the automatic assumption that the reason I did what I did was because of, you know, medication or the bipolar, or I was having an episode. And it was actually super important to me that people knew that it actually was from me being in like an immense amount of pain. And it was important to me to take responsibility for doing what I did and, you know, going through with that act of trying to take my life and everything. It was really super important to me to take responsibility for that. And it was also realizing that for months beforehand, I was just in a deep depression that wasn't necessarily connected to the bipolar disorder. It was more connected to a loss of a loss of understanding and purpose in my life. And it was that realization afterwards where I had like more of a clear head that I was like, oh, I want to start talking about these things. I want to start talking about like, you know, suicide awareness and, and bipolar and, you know, the stigma and everything. And then that's when I created like, you know, my YouTube. And it, at the time it was just the YouTube and now it's the podcast. But it was initially like geared towards like ending stigma of bipolar disorder because I noticed how many people misunderstood it and assumed that my attempt had to do with that. But then it became... I realized that there was like this whole world of mental health that's not being addressed. And it's the world where it's where personal growth kind of lives. It's the way we think, feel and behave. And so I was like, that's what needs to be addressed. And that's what's common in all of us. And that's kind of where that kind of came from. It was because like, I wanted to help others. And then in helping others, I found more help for myself, I guess. Mm, well, thank you for sharing that story. And I think your the insight around purpose and having something to to get out there that that drives you and and excites you is is a really important one and it's it's been a really important one for me as well in terms of fortunately for me I, I've never been in a, a position that you, that you were in 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 that amount of pain but it was a it was a meander through life and it was a it was a frustration and a sense of shame around, hey, I'm not doing the things that I, that I should be doing. I'm not, I'm not being the person that I, that I want to be or that I, that I could be. And it wasn't until I started to, started to explore and started to be curious and, and go and go and take action and do things that I started to, I started to develop a, a sense of purpose and a sense of excitement and a sense of fulfillment as well. And I think that the point that you make as well in regards to to mental health as a continuum is is really important as well is that and the way that our societies are set up at the moment is that we're we're not bad at dealing with the sickness side of things, but we don't particularly do the health side of things too well. And, and this is not just, this is not just true for, for mental health. It's true for the physical health as well, although they're kind of intricately intertwined and I don't think you can take one without the other. Um, <laughs> but one of the, the previous podcast guests that I've had has called it mental fitness in terms of a, of a continuum and, and looks at it from that perspective rather than sickness or health. And then there's this, this defined right. cutoff point with it. Right. When you said about starting this process over the last the last three years whereabouts did you start how did you start that off for yourself it really actually started with I think I was talking with friends and I was like I want to yeah I want to do something I want to speak out about these things and I was like oh like okay maybe I'll start like a YouTube channel and do videos because I was like you know I have the acting background you know I like talking obviously and I can create these kind of characters and these kind of ideas behind it and I'm creative, so I'll, I'll go kind of in that direction. And I remember people were, were said to me, like, well, what are you going to call it, you know? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And they said, well, what if you use, like, bipolar something, bipolar that? And I was like, mm, that's, no, because I actually, like, what if I want to talk about other things? Like, and I know how my mind works, and I'll, if I 
have the title bipolar in it, I'm going to only, I'm going to feel like kind of attached to that. And I actually kind of wanted to open the conversation up. And so I decided to call it the check check because it was like, I was checking myself doing self checks on the ways I think, feel and behave. And it rhymes with my last name. So why not? <laughs> I think my first video was like about 14 minutes long and I called it, I am not a textbook definition. And it was really, it's, it's long. I could probably go back and edit it and do something with it, but like, it's really long. And it was basically talking about how, you know, we have this understanding with our physical bodies that we're all different from one another. And then, you know, with the ideas of, you know, illnesses and conditions, we tend to group people together and we go people with bipolar, people with depression, and we're still individuals at the end of the day. And things are going to be different than exactly what they are, you know, as they are understood in like a diagnostic diagnostic book. And so I, that's where I kind of started. And then I was really glad that I had decided to leave it more open because I started going into the ways that we, you know, the ways we talk and the ways we, um, certain words that we use and what they kind of actually mean when it comes to responsibility or grief or, you know, even shame and forgiveness and kind of just calling, calling stuff out, you know, because I think we spend a lot of time you know, walking around things. And mm. we have no time for that. We got to call stuff out within ourselves. And then by doing that with ourselves, we do that with other people as well. I mean, that's kind of where it started. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I think we're often, we are really, really wrapped up in ourselves that we don't go and perform those, those self checks to, to check in with, Hey, how am I, how am I doing here? Or why am I, why am I doing that? Why am I feeling that way? It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it is, it's very uncomfortable. And it's kind of like the social media analogy that we, we were talking about before is that if you're experiencing something and then you're looking at it from, Hey, why is this happening? What's, what's going on here? That, that's probably a good thing. But if, so, if something happens and it just causes a reaction that we feel positive or negative about, and then we try and push away, we miss out on a really big learning and growth opportunity for ourselves but as you say that's the that's the more uncomfortable route to take with it it's like when the judgment enters right because when we put like the positive or negative aspect on it that's a judgment of what we're of what we've done or what we're doing or what we're going through or what we're feeling and you know when we're looking at it from like a more analytical standpoint we're like trying to figure it out like it's a puzzle versus trying to place it in kind of some sort of box does that make sense Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, those, those judgments are, are shaped from, by who we have been yeah. as a person and, and the frameworks that, as you say, there's that we, we think, act and behave. Yeah. Think, feel, feel and behave. behave. Think, yeah. feel and behave. Yeah. And that's, that's who we were as a person that yeah. has created that context. It's not necessarily who we are at the moment and it's, hope well, probably not going to be who we are in the future as well but it's that when when you're starting out and i think i mean you've you've got to this point now where where you've been doing this for a for a while and i'm sure there's still a whole lot of uncomfortable stuff that comes up for you at, at times but actually the process that you use around it to address that and sit with that discomfort i'm sure is a lot more effective maybe than than when you first began. No, for sure. The way I have to look at things is everything's a practice, you know? Everything is just, uh, you're getting more tools. I think we get more tools every day to bring that awareness, but also to be with that discomfort. And the thing is, is I think everyone's capable. Mm. I think everyone's capable of facing those uncomfortable things. They're a lot bigger in, in our fear than they are when we decide to finally face them. And they become more manageable over time to look at those, you know, those beliefs of ourselves. And again, like we can't do anything about that stuff until we bring it into our awareness, until we look at it and say, oh, this, we can't know anything until we're aware of it. And so it's about being open to that. But yeah, it's uncomfortable. And with time, it, you know, you find more comfort in that discomfort because the way I look at it is like nothing comes from comfortable places. Nothing really comes from it. It's like going to the gym and sitting on the couch at the gym 
if there's a couch at the gym, I don't know, but like sitting on a couch at the gym and being like, well, why, why am I not getting results? You're sitting on a couch, a comfortable couch at the gym. What do you expect is going to happen? And so we kind of continue this cycle of sitting on the couch, but you know, working out, you sweat and you get sore and it's the same thing with our, our mental health, I think. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's the, I come from a reasonably physical background. So that's kind of the way that I think about it and view it as, as well as that it's, it's training principles that actually you can, you can train your mental health the same way that you train your, train your physical health. One thing that I wanted to, to ask about, and this is kind of reaching back to earlier in the conversation as well. And I'm going to reframe this question because I was going to ask it a different way. A lot of it's about developing empathy and acceptance and I was going to ask you how you do that in regards to others, but I think actually probably going through this process, how do you learn to develop empathy and acceptance for yourself and for who you, who you have been as a person? Or how did, how did you do it rather than a, a broad statement for everybody? <laughs> okay. So there was Wendy in sixth grade. No, I'm just, no, I think, you know, what's funny is I always talk about how like, you know, it has to start within us and then we're able to take it outside of us. I think finding empathy for myself actually started with being able to feel empathy for other people. Mm. So I looked at the way I was like looking at characters that I was playing and it was like, oh, I could feel, I could be able to see this perspective of this character who maybe did something bad to another person, but I'm able to see the other side of it. Like, because I have to play that, right? And so I'm able to see that with, with that and play that kind of honesty of that character. And then I started being able to see it with other people, right? Like there's so many bad things that happen in this world. And while there's like a lot of anger about it and the people who do it, there's a part of me that is always thinking, where did they come from? Like where, where, what kind of childhood did they have? Or how did they grow up that brought them there? And it's that thinking that there's people are always accountable for their actions, right? but where they kind of learn those things from, they're healing from that as well. But they're still responsible for what they do now. And it's the same thing with me. Like I might not be proud of everything I've done in, in, you know, or happy with things or, and hold regret you know, about things I've done or you know, to people and how I've treated people or how I've reacted to things. But I have to have compassion for that person in order to be able to build myself stronger right now, because I do have to face the, that. I have to face that reality of who I was and also forgive those things, not only just in other people, but within myself as well, because there's no moving forward if I'm holding on to all that stuff. And so I have to build that empathy within myself. So really actually, to answer your question, it started by actually having empathy for others and being able to see that perspective in other people. So you start, you know, looking at people in your, in your immediate life maybe and trying to find, you know, compassion and understanding for them. Um, and then you kind of take it from there within yourself. But it's essentially, it's finding forgiveness for yourself. And that's where it kind of starts. But that's a process in itself. It is. It is. Anger is so much easier. Anger is so much easier. I'm still a fan. I'm trying <laughs> to let go of anger. I, I no, I like, it's one of my go-tos, you know, but it's really, it's really hard to, you know, anger, depression, anxiety, more, well, anger and depression are so based in the past. Like all those, those emotions are so based in how we view ourselves, how we view others and injustices and all those things. And so those feelings are always going to exist. They're natural. Those feel, I mean, you can't stop a feeling necessarily, right? But you can learn how to lessen it and be able to handle it. And that comes through like that empathy for yourself and compassion for yourself, I think. Mm. At least where I'm at right now, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the answer there actually, the, the where I'm at. Goes goes back to the whole the message is going to change over over time as well, and I think I mean that's that's something at a societal level that we probably really need to be working on as well is that how do we how do we deploy more empathy for for those people around us because there's a lot of as you say there's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff that's going on there's a lot of good stuff that's also going on but the lens that is is shone on that on that bad stuff is 
it gets much more airtime than, than the good stuff. And I think it, that's one of the reasons there's, there's a lot of kind of us versus them mentality at the moment as well, which is a, it's just a nice channel for being angry in general, but it doesn't, it doesn't particularly serve anyone and it, it, it doesn't kind of lead to, to acceptance in it. And I think it stunts, it stunts growth as individuals and, yeah. and as societies as well. And I'm not aware of the, the, the stats in the, in the US, but I mean, in, in New Zealand, we have a, a huge problem in regards to suicide as well. And, and it tends to be in the male age group. So I think that the leading age group is men who are aged from, from 40 to 49. And then the guys that are sort of coming out of their teens and, and into their early twenties as well is, is, is really high. And I think there's a, yeah, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of isolation and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of depression around that as well. And empathy is one of the, is one of the changes that we can, that we can make. We can make. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's, it's being able to, to at least try to, look at somebody else's perspective and and also i think one of the big things for me is like i don't think we have a full understanding of our emotional well-being or our emotional health but i think you know what i notice is when we're talking about like things like mental health we're always jumping to the illnesses and the conditions which i understand right because it's important to educate about those things but that is awareness in order to catch things and we're not doing anything in order to prevent. And it's like conversations like this that actually help that because we're normalizing conversations about all aspects of how we're thinking, how we're feeling, how we're behaving, our, our stories and all those things, facing uncomfortable things. We're, we're having those conversations. But we also have to understand how to process our emotions and understand how processing our emotions and our emotions affect the way we think and behave as well. And so if we're getting it from that angle and having those conversations, we're understanding our emotions better. And so we're going to be able to understand other people's emotions better. Or if we're understanding other people's emotions better, we're going to be able to understand our emotions better. So that empathy forms from that understanding of our emotional health and our emotional well-being. But that comes with being able to have these kind of conversations and not have such a, a stamp on them. But I think because there's that that connection when we say mental health, we jump to the idea of mental illness or condition. I think that actually stops people from listening to it. If it doesn't affect them, then why are they going to listen? Yeah. Again, it's a very us versus them mentality. It's uh, oh, I don't need to listen to that because I don't, I don't have those, those illnesses. Whereas actually, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's, it's a, it's a spectrum. And yeah. there's the, there's a clinical definition point that people utilize, but you're you're somewhere sitting along that spectrum. Yeah, that's a I completely agree. And for years, I was really stuck in that kind of illness world, and and that that world. That's the only thing I can call it. I you know people will say, oh, you know, a doctor labeled me, and I go, a doctor gave me a diagnosis. I labeled myself, and then I kind of fell into that world. Now I kind of. I see how damaging that was to me over time and how much that took out of me. And it took me to where, where it took me, you know, in September, 2016. And I don't want to see people fall down that, that kind of trap. And I think it doesn't extend to just people who are again, living with conditions like me, but it extends to the people that we're not reaching by only referring to mental health as making that kind of connection because we need to be making those, we need to be building those bridges and making those connections with people. And for me, mental health at its core is actually that connecting piece that kind of continually gets ignored. So. As you say, it comes back to, it's comes back to that awareness around, around yourself and what it is that you're experiencing and what it is that you're feeling. And, and I think we can, we can view that similarly to what we how we would view our physical health as well is that i mean if you're feeling really stiff and tight hey maybe i need to go and do some yoga or do some stretching or uh, i've got chicken legs maybe i need to go and do some squats and deadlifts Uh, (laughs) and and look at it look at it from that that perspective (laughs) hey i'm getting really angry at this at this person for 
some reason, maybe I need to go and ask myself some questions about why that is and why that's triggering me off. Yeah. It's that examination and yeah, that self-awareness. And it is like, that's a tool, self-awareness, acceptance, all of those things. Those are like the equivalent to, you know, gym equipment that we can use. It's just harder for us to see because it's like literally inside of us, but it exists and it is strengthening, I think. But it's again, just like going to the gym, it's a practice. Like you, you got to keep going and you got to keep go, you know, doing it and you're going to be sore. Mm -hmm. And you'll hit plateaus sometimes and you'll slide backwards and you'll have some time off and it'll be hard to get back into it. And that's okay. That's totally okay. You know, it's hard to face it. I'm not like, I'm not writing it off like, like, oh, you know, get back on the horse. You know, it's hard. It's not easy, but it's possible, you know, and it's doable, but it, it takes facing yourself. And, you know, it's not as scary as I think we think it is. If someone said that to me five years ago, I would have slapped them. <laughs> I would be like, shut up. It is hard. It's very hard. And it is, but it's not as hard as I thought it was. Yeah. And I mean, with, with where you're at with things in the process at the moment, is every day rosy or you still have some days that are just a little bit shitty? <laughs> no, no rosy. <laughs> like, wait, crazy. I've, I've logged like, that one no. up there for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, like, no. Like last week, I had a really hard week. I was facing like a lot of like different kind of things that were kind of coming at me. There, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't think like, I th growth is not comfortable in itself. And so if you're constantly looking to grow and challenge yourself, you're going to have challenging days and you're going to have those great days. And it's acceptance of all of it. You have to accept all of it. Like, I don't, I don't really believe like there's going to be like a point where I'm just like a hundred percent happy all the time. Plus I also think that would be incredibly boring to be like a hundred percent happy all the time. So there are hard days. And when there are hard days, like, I mean, I've started developing things, you know, with meditation and I started doing yoga as well and going out and doing things that are for my mind and for my body and and just constantly utilizing them. And does that mean I'm going to be okay anytime something triggers me? No, but I have tools that kind of make it easier for me to get through those times and get through those moments. So yeah, no, there's no rosiness. There, I mean, there is rosiness. There's not a, like, it's not all the time. So I think the struggle is real and the struggle is strength. Mm, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, who said that life is meant to be easy and we're meant to be happy all the time. Commercials and advertisements, the romantic comedy movies. We really shouldn't because they set people up for defeat. Like they literally set so many people up for defeat by, by creating these images of perfectness and, and, hap and what happy is supposed to look like. And I think we can, you can call happy whatever you want to call happy. It doesn't have to be set up like, you know, like the movies make it or the advertisements or whatever. So it's just about finding your way through life because it's a, it's a freaking journey. Like just accept that it's a journey and there's going to be, there's going to be rocky roads. There's going to be smooth roads. And that's part of it. Mm -hmm. I've got some questions that I like to ask everyone towards the end of the conversation. And I didn't, I didn't prep you with this. So I'll be, I'll be looking <laughs> uh -oh. forward to your answers. What was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? You did not prepare me for that. This question is uncomfortable. No, I'm kidding. The last uncomfortable thing, actually, last week I went, I had a friend that was doing a show in San Francisco and I, uh, I didn't have anyone to go with, but I went anyways. And that was actually, I have no problem going to cafes by myself, even restaurants by myself. Going to a theater by myself was a lot harder. And it was really, you know, I got there early and I'm sitting there by myself having a cocktail and it feels very, it reminded me of the kind of the loneliness that I used to feel, you know, back in the day when it was just me and, you know, people are socializing and everything. So that was really actually uncomfortable for me, but, but I got through it and I kind of realized that my focus was too much on myself at the time when my focus was really supposed to be on my friend on the stage, but I was focusing on how uncomfortable I was instead. Mm. So it was like a focus shift that really kind of, but not, yeah, that was probably the last time because it was last week. Yeah. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? And why is that uncomfortable for you? That's a, why can't I think of the, that's kind of scary that I can't think of 
an uncomfortable thing I'm going to do. I honestly, the, the next kind of step for me is actually working on kind of a playbook for, for my podcast, the Sheck, for the Sheck Check, and kind of starting to work on that. And that's, it's not going to be like an, a, a book that, it's, like, it's not going to be about my life, but it's going to be the lessons I've learned in ways people can do it with themselves. I haven't even started yet, right? But I already can see that that is going to be an uncomfortable process because it's, it's doing a lot of things that I don't normally do like understanding a more business side of things, but also uh, sitting down and writing because, you know, with a podcast, I don't really write much. I just talk. <laughs> so that's probably, that's going to be uncomfortable. I'm turning 38 in a couple of weeks. So I'm sure nearing 40 is going to be a little uncomfortable as well. <laughs> mm. Or is that just a label that you've put on yourself? Oh, evil, <laughs> evil. Good point. Thank you for the check. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I'd help you out with that one. Do you feel much different than you did when you were 28? Oh, or 18? Yeah. Oh, there's like, yeah. What's interesting is like, I feel like 18 and 28 were more closer together in mindset and everything, just different places where I was, which is kind of scary because it's 18 and 28. But you know, now I, it's really weird. Like in the last three years, the amount I feel like I've changed and grown because I've challenged all these like thoughts about myself and beliefs about myself and kind of move forward with that. It's it. I feel like a completely different person. Um, I'm still the same me. I, the essence of me is still the same. It's just a little less clouded with old judgments, I guess. Mm. So yeah, I feel like there's a huge difference between 28 and 38 and 18 I mean, 18-year-old heirs had hair, a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, brilliant. We've talked through some of these already, but do you have any other strategies that you use when you're approaching uncomfortable situations? Well, I mean, we all say breathing, but it really does actually help when you're going into a situation or when you're aware that you're heading into a situation that's going to be uncomfortable. Honestly, like I, something that has become like a very rem important reminder for me is if I'm uncomfortable, number one, it's checking like why I'm uncomfortable. Like, why is this going to be uncomfortable? Is it something I'm resisting or is there like a safety issue? And then if it's a safety issue, what kind of safety issue? So it's like these little checks to kind of go through to make sure I'm not avoiding an uncomfortable situation for the, for the wrong reasons, I guess. But I think it's also reminding yourself or reminding, reminding myself that out of everything uncomfortable that we do comes growth we grow in some way, we learn something. And so that's a gift, no matter how we learn it. It might be like, it might be a sucky kind of, you know, reaction to it, but even like the suckier reactions, like the way that might negatively affect us, there's something to learn from that as well. Like there's something from that. So there's something from everything that we do, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable that we can get, and that can be a driving function for us. And once we do, we start doing that, it's almost like it becomes, like, I literally think I'm addicted to personal growth. Like, I think it's an addiction because I just like, I'm like, oh, how can I challenge myself next? You know? I enjoyed that answer. Thank you. <laughs> if people, if people want to listen and watch you more on, on the Sheck Check or, or anywhere else, like, where's the best place for them to do that? Or where are the best places? Where do you hang out? <laughs> well, I hang out at the bar on Twitter and then sometimes I'm at the, uh, the club Instagram. I uh, know <laughs> my podcast is on like iTunes and Spotify, but you can all like it, it all can be found at uh, the Sheck check.com and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at uh, the Sheck check. And awesome. I kind of split my time evenly between those two kids. <laughs> yeah. And people can watch on YouTube as well. Yes, on YouTube as well. It's actually also the Shuck Chuck. I keep it very uniform. That's easy. That's easy. Good, yeah. good. Here is, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to, to have a conversation with me today. But also, thank you so much for having a conversation with the world as well uh, in regards to these topics and our mental well-being, our life well-being, really, and, and just getting people to, to check themselves a little bit more frequently. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing in that space. It's, uh, it's very awesome. 
Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure. Final question for you. Do you have yes. a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? A challenge for you? Yep. Oh, you did not prep me for that as well. Okay. Oh, man. Come on. That's not fair. That's so You just made me uncomfortable. Good. Uh, <laughs> You'll grow from and, this. Well, because you do a lot, though. Like, because you challenge yourself, like, frequently. Okay, I challenge you to come up with a way for me to challenge you. Boom. <laughs> okay. Um, what is one uncomfortable conversation that you don't want to be having right now? Mm. Is that a challenge? Yeah, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people. Which is it's very which bland is too. Uh, it's good. It's good. It could be with someone else or it could be with yourself. I was just about to say, it's actually a good conversation to start with yourself, maybe. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. there's a lot of things. Actually, no, I think I, think I changed my challenge question. It's what, what is something you're not being honest with yourself about right now? Mm. Yeah, that is a, that's a great challenge. Erez Sheik, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. No problem. It was uncomfortably comfortable. <laughs> There you have it team, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric and I. I was really interested and, and really enjoyed finding out a little bit more about Eric and, and some of the ways that he approaches uncomfortable situations. Really interested in his challenge as well. Um, I recorded the episode this morning and I'm recording the intro and outro this evening and actually one of the things that I needed to take action on was was having a, a conversation that I've been meaning to have for a little while and did it went really well feel a whole lot better afterwards so as Eric was saying go out take on that challenge uh, and let us know how you go with it for those of you in Wellington on the 26th of of January next year who want to get out of your comfort zone and learn the strategies that you need to take on challenges without overwhelming yourself, head over to surmountcourse.com for my next workshop. That's surmountcourse.com. The link will be in the notes for the show. Thank you so much, Jylan, for your editing wizardry. Thank you, Jeremy, my brother, for your musical wizardry in, in regards to the theme music for the show. And thank you guys, as always, for taking the time to get uncomfortable with me this week. 